0: It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now.
1: I'm starving.
0: On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast.
1: Yeah, let's eat, baby. This is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented of course by DraftKings, our go-to place for daily fantasy. Love those dudes. Love Joe Dolan at FG underscore Dolan. He is the star of the show. So much awesome information from fantasypoints.com. Joe's one of the owners over there. Check him out on Twitter. I love the handle, at FG underscore Dolan. The FG is for fantasy gangsta. It's not really. It's a long story, but it's just this thing I've been going with for a while, so we're sticking with it. 22 Feast is his code that you should use to stack discounts on discounts over there. Absolutely love diving into fantasy football. I think you know this. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years at Ross Tucker NFL on social. And we are at Ross Tucker pod where you can see the two or three best clips of each show get posted to Twitter and Instagram. Then of course you can see those on YouTube as well. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL very interesting matchup, Joe, to kick things off Thursday night. As always, the show that's so nice, we do it twice. Back to back episodes in your podcast app Wednesday, and by the time you wake up on Thursday, episode one's a Thursday Nighter and the Sunday one o'clock games, Joe. Let's start with the Ravens and the Bucks. The Bucks are a disaster, mm. and even the Ravens. Didn't really do much offensively on Sunday, Joe. Um,
0: this is a game that I think people probably four or five weeks ago were a lot more excited of for than they are now. Um, the Buccaneers are currently catching points at home. It's pretty much a point and a half across the board. They get opened as a pick em. um, Got up to like two uh, forty-five is the total. Some forty-five and a halfs out there, but people—the the markets are crashing on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it's hard for them not to be. First and foremost, we have all kinds of injuries. The the practice reports aren't out from Wednesday yet, but Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Russell Gage have all at some point missed this week. Evans and Julio were limited on Tuesday. Julio's not worth a fantasy roster spot. We know that at this point. Um.
1: Uh, Russell who gave- could have predicted that he would get hurt and not play much Joe uh, <laughs> well
0: <laughs> most of us uh, uh, but uh, I mean at this point if he gives them anything Ross it's a positive for the Buccaneers um, Brady his he has a 2.7 touchdown rate by far the lowest of his career in his last two seasons with the Bucs 6.2 percent the Buccaneers have scored on just 45% of their red zone possession, scored a touchdown. That is 30th in the NFL. They are just not getting in the end zone even when they get down into the red zone. So that is a big problem for the Buccaneers right now. I mean, Evans and Godwin are weekly starters. Edwin uh, Evans, by the way, should have had a, a, a thousand, uh, uh, 200 yards last week. Just that he dropped that touch. And if he doesn't drop that touchdown on the first possession, you wonder how differently that game against the Panthers goes. The Panthers are then playing from behind and it's just, everything is spiraling against the Buccaneers. And then on the flip side, the Buccaneers run defense gets absolutely embarrassed by Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman. And we'll get to Carolina because I'll have a little bit of a mea culpa there, but they got completely embarrassed by those two guys. Akeem Hicks might be back this week, which would help, but that's good news for Gus Edwards who, who ended up looking good. Um, but it's not great for the Ravens either. I mean, Lamar Jackson nine of sixteen last week. Uh, his touchdown rate weeks one to three was eleven point three percent. It's just two point eight percent over the last four weeks. Um, so the Ravens' offense is starting to struggle. Bateman and Andrews both have missed practice at some point this this uh, week. We've got to monitor their statuses later today when the practice reports come out. But this is a game. That four or five weeks ago was looking like a premier Thursday night matchup. And now it's going to be Al and and Kirk wondering which of these teams is in more of a world of hurt than than anticipated uh, on Thursday night. I still have trouble thinking the Buccaneers won't get it together. But with each passing week, with each bad team that they lose to, it's getting harder to believe that.
1: What was that red zone stack? Because that blew me away. The, the
0: Buccaneers have scored uh, a touchdown on just 45% of their red zone possessions. That is 30th in the NFL. 30th.
1: Wow. You Our know, guy Grant Barfield dug that with, up. Yep. With Brady and Fournette and Mike Evans and Gowan and the tight end. I mean, you know, I know Kate, Cam brady has been out, but that's really hard to believe. What about the game across the pond? Denver and Jacksonville feels like the Jags move the ball. They just can't score. Oh uh, yeah. Feels like Denver can't do anything.
0: Yeah. They're similar. The Jags, uh, almost to, um, like the Buccaneers, they get down, they move the ball and then Lawrence makes a mistake or ETN fumbles. But you know, the backfield takeover is complete. Obviously, as you know, Ross following the trade of James Robinson, it was trending in that direction. um, but it's now complete like this is there is the takeover here for Travis Etienne um and look i love that Doug Peterson didn't bench him for the fumble etn played 80% of the snaps last week he's also like paying off rushing yardage props like e- easily He's gaining 15 or more yards on like 18% of his runs. It seems like every first quarter he's got like a 35 yard run. And I'm like, oh, his rushing props over, up and over the total already. And now, obviously, no James Robinson. I think ETN is going to take over this backfield. Um, but Trevor Lawrence has got to play better. Over the last four weeks, he's completed just 58% of his throws. 6.9 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, three interceptions. It's mediocre. It's got to be better. Uh, he misses too many easy throws. The Broncos are a difficult matchup. The good news here for um, for Jacksonville's passing game is Patrick Sertan is obviously a perimeter corner, and the Jaguars' best receiver is their interior guys, Christian Kirk and, I guess, Evan Ingram at this point. So, Zay Jones, Marvin Jones, those guys are going to get the Sertan. Um looks, but really Jacksonville's a two-man fantasy show for me right now. Especially against this Denver defense. It looks like it's a Travis Etienne who must be in your lineup. He's an RB1 right now. And Christian Kirk. And maybe you can stream Evan Ingram. But Jacksonville is another team. You're hundred percent right, Ross. It seems like each and every week they're winning the yardage battle, but it's just a mistake here, uh an ill-timed fourth down call there. Uh, a fumble here a bad sack there that takes him out of field goal range it's just something like that every week with the Jaguars and I keep wanting to say they're close but after you know Trevor Lawrence improved in like weeks two three and four he's uh, uh well not week four that was the rain game against Philly it almost feels like the rain game broke Trevor Lawrence again we need to see some progression I'm not sure this defense is going to be the one that he's going to get it against though and by the way Uh, Just to tell you where people are on the Broncos, the Jaguars are favored in this game by two and a half.
1: Anything on the Broncos offensively?
0: Um, Well, Mike Boone is on IR, so this was an ugly three-man running back rotation last week. Just a horrendous three-man rotation with Brett Rippin in the backfield, but uh, under center, rather. Um, And so you would think, one would think that they're going to go to, like, a two-man rotation with with Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray. And we can work with that. We can work with a two-man running back rotation, okay? We can't work with three-man on a bad team. Now, uh, Latavius Murray, coaches love this freaking guy, and I guess he's running all right. Um, Both of those guys are, like, RB2 flex kind of options. There's only two teams on by this week. So uh, it it is – it's Kansas City. Kansas City's on by this week, and I believe it is – um, the Chargers. So I think so two good fantasy offenses are theoretically good fantasy offenses are on by. So you might have to replace, you know, Austin Eckler and um, not that Kansas City has a running back. You really want to talk about. We'll talk about that next week after that switcheroo that Kansas City pulled on us on Sunday morning or supposed switcheroo. Um, but Latavius Murray, Melvin Gordon, RB2 flex type options. Um. We all, we all made the observation, oh, man, what if Brent Rippon comes out here and lights it up in this game? What's going to happen? Well, he didn't. He did not light it up. He threw, he threw for 225 yards and an interception on, on uh, 46 passes. So, Russell Wilson not in danger of losing his job. And maybe, just maybe, the week off is going to give him the little bit of the boost he needs to get this offense moving in the right direction. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, kind of wide receiver, three types. Jerry Judy. Is part of trade rumors here. And I wonder if Denver loses this game, if Judy is off uh, off to Green Bay, who's clearly looking for a wide receiver. But uh, Greg Dolchich, by the way, I love this guy. I think he's super talented, and I think the Broncos love him. But in his season debut, he ran a route on 74% of the Broncos' dropbacks. That was cut to 65% in Week 7. I don't know why. I, I mean – You know, I I think Nathaniel Hackett's offense is better designed than the public perception because the execution's been so poor, but that doesn't mean I have to like his decision-making or personnel decisions.
1: Carolina's in Atlanta. Carolina, what's up with these running backs, Joe? In fact, I think we might see Hubbard, Foreman in the end zone. We can see him perhaps even on, uh, you know what? Now might be the time actually to think about getting a chance to see these guys on Symbol. Like if you're going to buy low, this might be the time to buy low on the Symbol app. If you've heard me talk about it, huge, huge fan of the Symbol app. Right now, they're offering a $500 risk-free deposit for new users who join the stock market for sports. When you sign up with code FANTASY, your first deposit comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. If you were hesitant on joining or you simply haven't joined yet, you can do so now with a risk-free deposit. Symbol lets you trade pro and college teams like stocks and even earn cash dividend payouts when your team wins, and now you can join with a $500 money-back guarantee. Download the Symbol mobile app for iOS by searching S-I-M-B-U-L-L in the App Store and use code FANTASY. Again, FANTASY, I got a different code for you to get your risk-free deposit up to $500 whether you want to invest in a team like the Panthers, buy low, or you want to make sure you got some long-term blue blood like the bills or the eagles symbol allows you to buy and sell team stocks and profit from your sports knowledge another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Who should people be buying on the Panthers, Hubbard or Foreman, Joe? First and foremost, I am sorry for
0: saying I didn't like either one of those guys last week because the answer obviously was to start both of them. But I'm here to double down because I still don't love either one of them. I still think this <laughs> offense is going to stink. And if I am going to pick one, I just think Deontay Foreman's the better runner, so I'll pick Deontay Foreman. Um, the guy I am buying is uh, finally is DJ Moore. His target share the last two weeks, 29% and nearly 50%. It was up to 46%. Uh, he saw a target on 10 of PJ Walker's 22 pass attempts against Tampa Bay. Um, DJ Moore averages over the last three seasons – Um, DJ Moore has played in 17 games without Christian McCaffrey. He's averaging close to 16 fantasy points per game in those games. Now I'm going to tell you, throw it right out there to you. I don't, I, I'm not going to buy Carolina's offense all of a sudden being competent after one week against an embarrassing Tampa Bay performance, but PJ Walker, Steve Wilkes, he has earned the job. He's going to keep starting for now. Um, This was the first time we saw competent quarterback play from the Panthers this year, so it at least gives DJ Moore some life. But it's still not an offense that I think you can really invest in too much.
1: What about on the other side, against the Atlanta Falcons?
0: They were down three touchdowns, 15 minutes into that game, and Marcus Mariota threw 13 passes. I have never in my life seen things like the Bears treated Justin Fields earlier this year and the way that the Falcons are going to continue treating Marcus Mariota. How in God's name can you play anybody from the Atlanta? The one guy you can play here, maybe you play Mariota, you're streaming him, maybe he rushes for a touchdown. You hope Tyler Algier falls into the end zone, which he did last week. But he doesn't get past targets. They are down three touchdowns. Literally, after the first play of the second quarter. And they are throwing the ball 13 times. What is this offense? You've spent two top 10 draft picks on receivers in each of the last two years. And those guys are combining for what? 18 receiving yards? Kyle Pitts and Drake London? Forget about this team right now, man. Just forget about it. Like it, it'll make you it'll make you happier if you forget about the Atlanta Falcons until further notice. Thirteen pass attempts for Marcus Mariota in a game that they were trailing by three scores from the get-go. Unbelievable! <laughs> Unbelievable! I, like Ross, and, and this is by the way, this is permeating throughout the NFL this year. Just as an aside the quarterback play by, by any any freaking abbreviation you want to give it epa dvoa xfp lfo uh, oar dmb any jam band out there that's got initials any 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 kind of metric you're looking at the quarterback play in the nfl is is a uh, quantifiably worse this year than it has been in recent years it is quantifiable the teams are not trusting their quarterbacks. The quarterbacks are giving teams no reason to trust them. It is horrifying. By the way, I do not like OAR. That was a very annoying band in college, but it's just one of those bands that, uh, I don't know, that came to mind when I was thinking about how crappy the quarterback play is. And uh, there, well, there you go, Ross. Oh, by the way, Marcus Mariota throws for 124 in a touchdown in that game. 75 of it in the touchdown came on one throw. On his other
1: 12 throws, he threw for 49 yards. What about? Show. Yeah, what about the Bears? Break up the Bears in Dallas, especially with these designed runs for your boy Justin Fields. Well, this is what they should have been doing.
0: And look, I'm not going to sit there and because Justin Fields, and and I'll I'll give him credit, that was the most competent he's looked this year, and he made some plays. He also made some bad plays, but I mean, I don't understand when when your only really like NFL caliber receiver is Darnell Mooney. Why is Justin Fields not getting 8 to 10 design runs a game? It doesn't make sense. Justin Fields is your best athlete. They're going to probably try to do it against Dallas, although, you know, not the best. Uh, Dallas has, by, um, by uh, fantasy points data, pass, rate over expect- pass rush over expectation rate has the best pass rush in the NFL. I'm not sure this is a great matchup for Justin Fields, but he can run around and he can scramble, and he's been a top 10 quarterback over like the last three weeks. He's usable for fantasy now. But the the passing game volume is still killing Mooney, who I think is a much better receiver than his numbers indicate right now. And um, the good news is with Justin Fields, it kind of looks like you can use both David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert in this backfield. So um, I still think Herbert continues to look better, but they like Montgomery and both guys scored against the Patriots. So. Fine. I mean, I I think both guys are usable right now. Mooney is just a low, low-end wide receiver three. But at the very least, with Justin Fields and these designed runs, it has raised the uh, the floor and the ceiling of this offense. I'm just not sure this is the matchup where I want to invest in Justin Fields and this offense. Dallas? Um, here's what's interesting. They come out, and they essentially ran against Detroit, the Cooper Rush plan. Dak Prescott, don't make mistakes. We're going to run the ball down Detroit's throat because we don't think they can score. Lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. Now, Dak Prescott was off for close to two months with a thumb injury, so I don't know if that's going to continue. But Dak Prescott, he was, I thought he was pretty sharp. I didn't think he was asked to do too much, but obviously raises the floor and ceiling of that offense as compared To Cooper Rush. Let's see if that change. I don't know. Again, though, I don't know if this is the matchup where that's got to change because they're playing a Bears team that I don't think is going to be able to score very much in this game. Um, Here is one thing that's interesting. The Cowboys, that game was never, they were trailing that game by three points, but never more than that. They were up for virtually the entire second half of that game against Detroit. And Tony Pollard outsnapped Ezekiel Elliott and got more red zone touches and got more inside the 10 touches and on the year, has been getting all the passing game work. Zeke Elliott's got eight targets this year. So Zeke right now, even though I think he looks good, Zeke is a touchdown-dependent RB, two because he's not getting passing game work. And Tony Pollard is kind of the guy that Dallas is trusting to make explosive plays for them. And it's working. He's making explosive plays in the backfield. You know, C.D. Lamb has just once again and we'll let we'll see what happens when Dak gets healthier and when they're in a game script where they have to throw it but once again this year the idea of CeeDee Lamb has been better than the reality of CeeDee Lamb four catches for 70 yards doesn't mean you can't use them but man oh he's, he could lead the NFL in targets that's not the way the Cowboys are playing right now they are giving the ball to their backs they are involving Tony Pollard extensively Zeke isn't getting passing game work, but he's getting carries. I think he looks pretty good, and they're asking their quarterbacks to not make mistakes. One more player I want to point out here. I know Michael Gallup on catchless. I think that was just part of the way the game flow went. Dalton Schultz, I thought he blew his knee out again um, in that game. He comes back in, catches four passes, uh, five passes for 49 yards. I don't know what it is with Dallas every year having to have a tight end. This is dating back to Tony Romo who can't run, who, who gets you five yards when you need four. Um, but Dalton Schultz is Dak Prescott's guy in that regard. I just feel like that knee is a ticking time bomb.
1: Joe, what about Miami at Detroit? I was curious because of what's been going on with Detroit to look, and it looks like right now you can get a ticket on the game time app as they host the Dolphins Sunday. For $69, which is actually higher than I thought it would be. Uh, it sounds like maybe Lions fans aren't quite giving up on this team just quite yet. I think most people know, but GameTime is the fastest growing ticketing app. It guarantees the lowest price on tickets to all your favorite sports, concerts, and shows. So just get the free GameTime app on your phone. And then you can check out where your seat would be. Create an account. If you redeem the code FEAST, you get $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's FEAST for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Download game time. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed, Joe. Talk to me about Miami and Detroit.
0: Yeah, so um, Detroit, uh, th- this is – we have to fit a lot of games into a short window. So f- with Detroit, Ross, it's going to be – let's. we have to pay attention to the practice reports this week. Now the report is Amon Ross St. Brown did not suffer a concussion last week or at the very least passed the concussion test. So it would look like he's going to play. But we don't know about DeAndre Swift, um, which is hugely important for – the Detroit Lions here. There was thought that he was going to come out of the bye and be ready. It looks like the shoulder is giving him problems. The issue with Detroit is their practice reports have been hard to decipher this year. They've been they've had guys who practice on Wednesday and then don't practice on Thursday and Friday and then end up playing on Sunday. They've got guys who don't practice all week in around. They've got guys like DeAndre Swift who did practice all last week who didn't play on Sunday. So it unfortunately it looks like this is going to come down to a Sunday morning type of deal. And as much as Jared Goff was a good streamer a little bit earlier in the year, um, he needs his weapons back in order to take advantage of that. And, you know, I think Miami is kind of a mediocre matchup. It's not a great matchup, it's not a terrible matchup, but at this stage, uh, we we need to see who's going to be available for Detroit. I do expect St. Brown to be out there, though.
1: What about for the Dolphins? What'd you see with two Tua back?
0: He dropped. He had a lot of interceptions dropped. Um, but other than that, I mean, Tyree Hill's averaging like 111 receiving yards per game. Like Jerry Rice hit that mark like once in his career. I mean, Tyree Hill is doing outstanding things right now. Jalen Waddle, somewhat surprisingly, played on Monday night. Um, it looked like that shoulder injury was going to limit him. Um, and it. I mean, he he didn't post the numbers. Hill did, but. He overall looked all right. But the guy who's been the standout for Miami, and you should just keep rolling with him until there's a reason not to, is Raheem Mostert. And, you know, I didn't believe he'd stay this healthy. He was cheap all off seasons because nobody believed he would stay healthy. But he has completely usurped Chase Edmonds, who's who's just completely, I mean, he's doghoused right now. M- Mostert has played on 68% of the snaps over the last four weeks. That's the 12th highest among Running backs, he's averaging 18 touches per game. Raheem Mostert looks like he's shot out of a cannon every time he touches the football. I think he's a guy that, like, I don't, he's a guy who, you look at his name and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to play Raheem Mostert. But if you put that production that Raheem Mostert's been giving you under Ezekiel Elliott's name, and you'd be like, oh my God, this guy's a league winner, which is what Raheem Mostert is right now.
1: Arizona is in Minnesota. Minnesota is off the bye. Arizona looked a little better with Hopkins out there.
0: Mm -hmm. Arizona's catching four in this game. Um, 49 is the total. And I thought it was so interesting. Arizona very aggressively went out and got Marquise Brown this offseason, traded a first-round pick for him during the NFL draft. A lot of people at the time thought it was too much. Brown was playing pretty freaking good. And then Brown gets hurt. And Arizona, within 24 hours, less than that, I think, swings a trade for Robbie Anderson, who probably was going to get cut because of his disgruntledness in Carolina. So I thought that was interesting. I was like, oh, my God, this is a panic move. But here's what it signaled. DeAndre Hopkins... Who, by the way, in the last couple of seasons with Arizona, almost exclusively played outside and at the on the left side of the formation. He ran, according to Fantasy Points data, about 45% of his routes in the slot in week seven in his return. And what that signaled to me is they made those trades so quickly for Robbie Anderson and Marquise Brown's very aggressive moves. Because their plan all along, after Hopkins kind of struggled last year, I know he was playing hurt, but he kind of struggled, was to put DeAndre Hopkins in the slot. And he catches 10 passes in his first game back, running about half his routes in the slot. So that signaled to me that was a plan all offseason for the Arizona Cardinals. And instead of being a big X, DeAndre Hopkins is now a big slot receiver, somebody who is difficult to defend. Miami slot corner is gettable. I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to be the new Larry Fitzgerald. He is the apple of Kyler Murray's eye. This entire offense looked better with him. It also looked better because James Conner didn't play, and Eno Benjamin looked pretty explosive. But DeAndre Hopkins, big slot receiver, is the new uh, potential trend that we need to watch. The bad news about that is it just crushes Rondale Moore because Rondell Moore is not equipped to play outside. As you saw on that ill-advised fade ball that was thrown to him early in that game last week.
1: Minnesota, Joe? Uh,
0: Minnesota is the best team in fantasy. Uh, Now, uh, Houston has done a very good – excuse me. um, Arizona has done a very good job limiting opposing wide receiver ones until last week when Chris Olave made a bunch of catches, but they were trailing in the second half by multiple scores, was New Orleans. So – I think Vance Joseph is going to have a plan for Justin Jefferson. Not that you bench Justin Jefferson. I'm just saying that like they've held AJ Brown to three catches. They've held Cooper Cup to three catches. They held uh, four catches. They held Devontae Adams to two catches. Don't be surprised if you see like a five for fifty game for Justin Jefferson, and you see guys like Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, and Irv Smith producing more numbers than you might anticipate this week. A little bit of a tidbit there for you DFS players. I think it might be a week to go to the secondary Minnesota receivers.
1: We've got the Raiders at the Saints. How about Josh Jacobs, Joe?
0: Um, A guy that the entire fantasy community was off. The entire community was off of Josh Jacobs. And the reasoning was sound. This is a guy the previous regime drafted to be a bell cow and never used him as such. They didn't pick up the fifth year option. They go out and they bring in Bolden and they bring in Abdullah and they draft Zamir White. And now Josh Jacobs is like the bell cow of bell cows. Keep riding him while he's hot. And this is a guy playing motivated because he's on a contract here. So keep riding Josh Jacobs while he's hot in it. And one of the things that's really kind of hurt when it comes to the Raiders from a fantasy perspective, is I anticipated this being one of the pass-happiest offenses in the NFL. Has not been the case. 27 attempts for Derek Carr last week, and when you're not pass-happy and you have a target hound like Devontae Adams, it's going to hurt a guy I love this year, Hunter Renfro, just not getting the targets that I thought he would get, and that's even with Darren Waller hurt. Darren Waller's dealing with hamstring injury again. He dealt with it back into uh. lie basically so I don't know what the situation is there for him but the Raiders they are funneling their offense through Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams right now it's really hard to trust anybody else on that team though um, they might uh, they might look at uh, New Orleans banged up secondary and say this is a matchup we can take advantage
1: of what about New Orleans on offense
0: well First and foremost, I thought it was interesting that there were reports before that Thursday night game that essentially Andy Dalton could potentially play his way into the starting job, and then he went out and crapped his pants right there on national television. Two pick sixes, you know, there's the image of him looking despondent when the the Cardinal defender's diving into the end zone. Um, The thing about New Orleans, though, is we have to look at their practice reports. Is Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry going to play? What's the deal with those guys? Chris Alave, at this point, Olave's doing way more than I thought he would. Just fl- frankly, way more. His 495 receiving yards are the eighth most by a rookie wide receiver in their first six games since 1970. So he has been their alpha by necessity, but he's also kind of commanding the football with how he's getting open down the field. But w- we don't know about Thomas. We don't know about Landry. Um, Adam Troutman's hurt, but they should probably bench him for Jawan Johnson anyway. Taysom Hill is still usable on a weekly basis here, but we really don't know who's going to play quarterback for New Orleans. We don't know who's going to be there at receiver. So right now, the only guy I'm totally comfortable recommending here are Alvin Kamara and Chris Olave.
1: The Patriots at the Jets. I feel bad for the Jets, man. I feel bad for the Jets, Joe. Elijah Vera Tucker out for the year. Brees Hall, right when he becomes a star, he's out for the year.
0: Yeah, he was trending to being the like maybe the league winner in fantasy football. Um, uh, Look, I like Michael Carter. Michael Carter had a good rookie season last year, and I think Michael Carter is going to lead this backfield in opportunities going forward. I don't think James Robinson, who got traded to the Jets this week, obviously. I don't think he's looked particularly good this year. He got phased out of that offense in Jacksonville, and they cashed in their ticket on him. Um, But the problem here is Brees Hall was masking because Brees Hall – was creating explosive plays on the ground and through the air. He's masking a non-functional passing game right now. Zach Wilson, to me, looks like a guy. You know, the, Ross, oh, You're familiar with the overseas program, right? Trying to develop players yeah. from other countries, and and you can you can keep extra guys on your practice squad. It literally looks like they went they went overseas to Europe somewhere, found a guy who's got a strong arm who was just like, I don't know, throwing rocks on the street somewhere, um, throwing, throwing bottles through windows or something. It was like, oh, that guy's got the arm of an NFL quarterback. Let's get him suited up and pl- and ready and sign him to a contract. He looks like a guy who they they said, hey, I'm from the New York Jets. Do you want to play NFL football? We'll make you a millionaire. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, get on a plane right now. Here's an iPad. All it's got is six hours of highlights of Patrick Mahomes. Come And when you land – you're going to drive right to the stadium and you're going to play quarterback just like that guy plays. That's what Zach Wilson looks like right now. I mean, he's running, he's, he's running backwards. He's running in circles. He's got all the physical ability. He has no clue what he's doing right now. And it has tanked this passing game. And I am scared for what this offense is going to look like without Brees Hall. I think Michael Carter's an RB two. I think James Robinson's a desperation flex. He's a bench hold right now until I see how they use him. But you know, I mean, Elijah Moore – this team's 5-2, and two and Elijah Moore's requesting a trade. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I would imagine that doesn't sit well with Elijah Moore's teammates. I don't know. Ross, how would that sit with you if your team was winning games, no matter how they were winning games, and somebody was upset with his role and requested a trade?
1: Not real well. No, and I mean, look, guys understand, okay, when – guys understand when guys are trying to do what's best for them but oh, I sure. said this on the Ross Tucker football podcast this felt really premature really premature I mean they're barely even you know they're what five games six games into the season and he wants a trade when they've won four games in a row I think you're it's a, a half really game bad look. The
0: division and you can think that fraudulent however you want but it is but then you look at the way Zach Wilson's playing and you're like oh yeah I kind of get it well, they're gonna need more this week because Corey Davis has an MCL sprain. But the problem here is like the only jet I can trust for fantasy right now, and trust is a figure of speech, it's Michael Carter. Because I think he'll be the lead back, but he just does not bring the juice to the table that Brees Hall brings.
1: No, it's not even close. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the Patriots with this quarterback thing now?
0: I now my gut is they're going to go to Mac uh is they're gonna go to Mac Jones. Um after Zappy, you know, he came in and gave him a spark, but then the second half happened. Um, I don't know if you've seen the clip going around on social media right before I came on uh, air, Ross. A Bills fan seems to have video evidence that that horrible, horrible Mac Jones interception, which was bad, by the way. I think it was a bad throw regardless. I thought it was a bad decision. He seems to have evidence that it hit the Skycam wire.
1: Uh, the Skycam wire, yeah, I saw that. Funny. I mean,
0: I mean, if you're throwing a ball that can hit the SkyCam wire, maybe that's a problem in and of itself. But, um, I mean, that was obviously a terrible interception. It didn't look like Mac Jones was really ready to play in that game. But the one thing is, hey, I got I got plenty wrong this offseason, okay? I, 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 I reserve the right to pat myself on the back about something I think I got right, and that being Ramondre Stevenson, who looks like a real bell cow right now. Eight catches in that game. Damian Harris was back. Ramondre Stevenson still played 77% of the snaps. He has five or more targets in four of his last five games. He hasn't finished below the running back 23 in any of his last five games. And he's got three top eight RB finishes in PPR over his last five games. Ramondre Stevenson is looking like a league winner. And with this quarterback situation the way it is for the New England Patriots, I can't imagine they're going away from a guy who has been their best offensive player. Ramondre Stevenson in this game against the New York Jets, pretty good defense. No doubt about it, but it should be a low-scoring game. Ramondre Stevenson's going to have plenty of opportunities to keep his hot streak going.
1: Steelers play the Eagles, Joe, in the Battle of Pennsylvania. I'll actually be there. I'm doing the first hour of the pregame show. Then I'm going to tailgate with some buddies for a little bit and my wife. I'm going to sit in the stands for the game, which I never do, never get that chance to do. Um, And I'll be drinking Labatt Blue Light because football season means it's Labatt Blue Light season and there's no better way to watch your team on game day than with the pristine Canadian goodness of a cold Labatt Blue Light in hand. Stock up and be the MVP of your tailgate. I will be Labatt Blue Light guy and share a Labatt on game day with your crew. I'm glad they reminded me. I'm bringing it. I'm bringing Labatt Blue Light with me. Always enjoy responsibly. beer. Labatt, USA, Buffalo, New York, Steelers offensively. Pickett's trying to give the receivers a chance, Joe, to make plays.
0: You know, um, I was watching Pickett on Sunday night, and I am not saying – Ross, he threw three picks in that game. I am not saying that Kenny Pickett didn't make some bad and even mind-numbing mistakes. But if I just sit and compare and contrast what I see from Kenny Pickett vis-a-vis what I see from Zach Wilson – it's night and day to me. To me, there's a calmness to the way Kenny Pickett plays. It looks like he's got a clue. And maybe he trusts his arm too much. That I think that's fixable. I think it's fixable. Um, but I, I don't know. I saw that game, and he – look, they, they scored 10 points, okay? There obviously is what room to improve. But I saw the way Pickett played in that game, Ross, and I was sitting there thinking on my – I'm on my couch, and I'm like, man, th- this guy's got a clue. He's calm. If there's, he doesn't look panicked and he doesn't seem to me to be the kind of guy who's going to get spooked away from improving just because he threw a bad interception. I don't, I don't know what your take is here, but I think the early returns on Pickett are promising. Just the style of play that I saw from, K he's thrown too many picks. I get it. But just the style of play that I saw, I think the early returns are promising. I don't know what your take there is.
1: Yeah, I, I think I would tend to agree. Um I think Tomlin kind of likes that he's a little bit of a gunslinger and trying to make plays like he is. He's faster than I thought too. When he ran yeah. for that one first down, what does it mean for the Steelers? Oh, other fantasy guys, it's great. Like uh,
0: it's why we love Fitz Magic. You know, like I'm not trying to say that you know Kenny Pickett's going to be that kind of guy. Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for like fifty thousand yards in his career. By the way, I think the Steelers would take that, but. If, if, if I have a guy who's going to pull the trigger and the coaches are going to trust him to pull the trigger, that is great for fantasy. And George Pickens, this guy is going to be a superstar. I think it is so blatantly obvious. I was I got a text unprompted from Greg Cosell when he caught that touchdown on Sunday. And Greg was like, I told you this kid was the best receiver in the draft. Early returns, positive on, on George Pickens. Uh, I'm going to get those two confused all season long, by the way. I'll be be talking about Pickett, and I'll say Pickens. I'll be talking about Pickens, and I'll say Pickett. But you understand that that's a good connection right now. The issue for Pittsburgh in this game is the mashup. Philadelphia has the best secondary in the NFL. They have the best perimeter corners in the NFL. I wonder if this becomes a Pat Fryer move game because of that. I wonder if it's going to be – filter things to the middle of the field where the Eagles are still good, but they're just a little bit more susceptible. I don't love the matchup for Kenny Pickett. I think Slay and Bradbury are going to be licking their chops after seeing some of the aggressive throws that Pickett made. The Steelers are 10.5-point underdogs, and I understand why. I do also want to throw this out there. Not that the numbers were great, just 17 carries for 65 yards, three catches for 15, but I actually thought Najee Harris looked the best he's looked this year and you have to remember he did have a foot injury dating back to training camp a couple weeks ago he said he had a steel plate in his shoe that he got removed maybe he's got a little bit range of motion just not fe- freaking out not saying oh my god he's back to be in a first round type of type of fantasy asset but I thought he looked the best he's looked uh, all season in that game against Miami.
1: What about the Eagles coming off the uh, bye?
0: Um, Jalen Hurts, Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, Miles Sanders. They're not all going to produce every week because they can't, but they all have such a huge ceiling that you can't bench any of them. Steelers, their secondary is getting healthier. That's good news, but they still gave up production to Waddle and Hill last week. Raheem Mostert had a big game you can run on Pittsburgh. I mean, the Philly's a five man team, and you gotta play all five of them. That that's easy fantasy analysis. Again, doesn't mean they're all going to produce, but the ceilings are too high for them to not.
1: Joe Dolan has a very high ceiling as a fantasy analyst, and he hits it pretty much every week. Absolutely love doing these shows with him. Love part two. We got some big-time games. giant Seahawks, who would have known? Niners, Rams, we need to get his insight. Make sure you're subscribing to the show and you download episode two of the show. That's so nice, we do it twice. The meal is over. It's time for dessert. Thanks for listening to the fantasy feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, even money business of sports and the college draft all available at Apple podcasts, Rostucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.
0: This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming and his facility shines.